0: And so, I'd like to um, offer some instructions for today's practice. And if you are so inclined, I'd like to just continue to offer to use the breath as a way to anchor into the present moment, to help to steady the mind and the heart. This is a way to become settled. The breath is an object that many feel can be helpful to study the mind, but if there are on occasion some of us that the breath is a challenging object, and it was mentioned yesterday that if you would like to work with another, you're welcome to, such as sounds, listening to the sounds as they come and go, or perhaps paying closer attention to prominent sensations within the body. Staying with that one object is a way to help steady the mind and heart. There will be times of course where the breath or the primary object will not be in the foreground. Something from the background has become more prominent such as a sound or a sensation or perhaps even some unpleasant feelings. Last night in the talk spoke about different difficulties, challenges that arise. You may experience unpleasant feelings, tones, pleasant-feeling tones. You may experience at other times streams of thoughts, emotions, they arise into awareness, and they're very prominent, then without fighting to come back to the breath so quickly, just let yourself acknowledge and allow what's here. Giving it space to do whatever it needs to do, and then returning back to the primary object of the breath. So in this way, we're Developing our continuity of awareness with what's here. Not pushing away an unpleasant feeling or thoughts and emotions if they rise and they're prominent. Allowing, acknowledging. And then returning to the breath as a way to help steady and deepen the heart and mind. So easy does it. Allowing and experiencing what's here, using the breath as a way to anchor into the moment. One of my meditation teachers, Pakoku Siero, he used to say about the breath as an object, To be mindful of where you also feel the contact of the breath as you breathe in and out. So, for example, he would say if you feel it in the inner nostrils and letting your awareness rest there, at that point of contact, just as he would say, as a saw, a hand saw with its teeth that make contact with the wood, then that up and down motion cuts through the wood, being mindful of the breath at the point of contact as it comes in and goes out, penetrating into wisdom, cutting through ignorance, he would say, beginning to experience this changing and impersonal nature of things that arise and pass away. So easy does it, being present, one breath at a time. Breathing in and breathing out, and again, if within the background some strong feelings arise to become more in the foreground, just allowing and acknowledging, no need to fight them, just bringing awareness to experience unpleasant feelings or pleasant ones, experiencing how they come and go. This can be applied to any senses that arise into the foreground or mind states as well. Allowing, experiencing, they come, they go, and returning to the breath in and the breath out. This way we begin to practice within the different foundations of mindfulness, using the breath as a way to anchor and to steady being present. So we'll take some time for a few questions, and just a reminder again that at um, 9.15 we begin our groups, and both Richard and I are upstairs, I believe the room numbers are on the sheets, and you'll find us. And one other thing about um, the groups, that each group is allocated about 45 minutes, there may be certain occasions where we may have to go longer. We are aware that many of you, of course, are in the hall. And if you're wondering whether we're going to come back to ring the bell or not, we will. So we want you to know that we're very well aware. Most of the time after, we'll get done with the group interviews within that 45 minutes, but there are it can go longer. So I just want you to know that... Uh, we're aware and keeping track, and we'll make sure that that bell is rung in the next sitting. So um, we can have a little, we'll take a few minutes uh, now for some, if there's any questions or coming from any of the instructions, either from yesterday or today, or of course uh, the talk last night. So just can open it up, Please.
1: Mm-hmm. And so I've been, and I think I've been synchronizing my breath with my walking. Mm-hmm. So now if I'm focusing on my breath, I don't know what to, you know, it's just very confusing. So yeah. if make
0: some suggestions about You know, I'm going to defer to Richard with that. You can repeat the question.
1: I'll repeat the question. It was about offering some more details on how to bring the breath in with the walking meditation. And you're saying it it can, you've been uh, practicing kind of in the standard way in our scene that it tends to get taught, which is either your feet stepping or something about the body moving and it could be confusing how to bring the breath in. So uh, you're right, it can be uh, confusing. And when I offered the brief instructions yesterday, I'm going to say a little more right now, but I had said work with it, bump up against it a little experiment and see. So let me offer a few different options, keeping in mind that using the breath in the walking may not be the best for everyone. So that may be the the answer. But here's a couple of things. Some people do coordinate it with the stepping, as you said, and that's perfectly fine. And so then you see, how is that for you? We don't want to split our awareness, but it can be more a sense of, can you hear okay right now? It felt like it was ringing a little bit before. Is this okay back in the back? Yeah. So you don't want to have a split awareness between two but, uh, or a tension between the two, but it's more a sense of within a spacious awareness, there's a sense of both experiences arising together. You, does that make sense there? So you can experiment with how that feels. The idea being that bringing the awareness in to meet the experience of walking, It has two main functions. Tonight, I'll say some more on the concentration side and we'll get into more detail about concentration insight together. It's a support in, in the service of the deepening the the concentration side. It keeps that continuity of breath going through everything we're doing and also it can um, help us sometimes to meet and be more present with the experience of walking. So we want to look and see if, if that's actually true for us. Sometimes rather than having both in awareness, especially when the concentration gets stronger, the the ability to have the awareness of breath or whatever other practice you may be doing, mindfulness of sound or there's so many other practices, it can remain prominent. It's not even so much having both. It actually can remain just as prominent uh, and letting everything be in the background, even when we're moving around but I would say probably for most people that tends to happen once they've gotten deeper into the concentration and then it becomes naturally more easy. So you have to kind of see how that is for you. Does that, is that helpful? Mm-hmm. One last thing I would say about it, as Bob was talking about um, you know, giving some preference, probably some strong preference to a primary meditation object, that's not the way insight meditation is always taught, but by doing that, it's in the aid on and support of the concentration side. Even when other experiences are coming, as Bob was talking about just during the sitting meditation, you can also experiment. A, 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 well, maybe Bob said that I was, wasn't listening. I was just into my own, sorry about that, in my own uh, meditation. The Richard <laughs> well, Show. Whoops. <laughs> uh, maybe he said that. Uh, But, you know, you can also experiment with bringing the awareness of the breathing in to meet the knee pain, the grief, the fear, the hindrance, and and see if that, in the same way, can be an ally to help you be more... How can I breathe with knee pain? And see if... Because it also keeps a continuity. That's not always going to be the answer. There will be times when, no, I have to let go of the breath completely and just fully... So, you know, we have to see. Okay? Yes.
0: So um, it's speaking about mindful discernment, and how do we learn mindful discernment? In the midst of sitting in our practice, and when we move in or move out. And um, actually there's a, there's a beautiful teaching story that speaks to um, this that I'd like to just share briefly about a, a Zen master that supposedly was teaching to do just one thing at a time. One day, uh, some students found him eating and reading, at the same time, busted. And so when asked, what's going on here, the master said, when you eat, eat, and when you read, read. And when you eat and read, eat and read. (laughs) So our discernment. Other questions? Please. Um, I'm sure this is common as well. Struggling with when I'm watching, whether I'm watching or controlling, Mm -hmm. trying to not control, but feeling like I am, and then other times just not being able to tell the difference. Yeah. So very um, important question. The question of um, you know watching the breath, working with the breath. Uh, Am I controlling it or not controlling it? And. This actually happens quite often uh, with a a number of us, or some of us may actually have the experience that we've stopped breathing momentarily. It's a good thing the breath runs on the autonomic nervous system, otherwise we'd all be not breathing. And so actually I think uh, you know, some things to say about this is, and actually, the, the the words that we used was watching the breath, and so maybe I'd like to just change the language a bit to invite working it from another perspective to experiencing the breath, and the body is actually breathing us, and can I just uh, allow? And acknowledge and be experienced this body that's breathing us. And feelings, with our awareness, where do I feel it most prominently? And I might discover that it's right in the inner nostrils. The breath is coming in and going out. And, and so I would just invite to try to work with experiencing the breath to know the breath as it breathes in and breathes out and if for example I'm getting into a thing where I'm wondering whether am I controlling the breath or what's going on here, then let me just pause for a moment and just acknowledge, here's a little bit of confusion, here's a little bit of not knowing. Let myself just acknowledge completely, this is not knowing, this is feeling a little confused. Am I controlling the breath or not controlling the breath? And Just even allowing that as part of the meditative experience to be acknowledged and allowed just like any other experience. And as I mentioned earlier, too, there are times um, I do a lot of work in medical centers teaching mindfulness, mindfulness mindfulness-based stress reduction, and occasionally I come and work with people that have very severe breathing challenges, and the breath may not actually be the best object to work with. It may produce more anxiety. It's anxiety-provoking, particularly someone with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or asthma. And so it might be for that case that it might be more useful at first to be mindful of sounds as the primary object, listening to sounds coming and going or feeling the different sensations in the body. So we want to invite this discernment to see what's there. Equally said, it may be also very powerful that if somehow I'm bringing awareness to the breath and all this anxiety is getting evoked, then, ha huh, this is interesting, here's anxiety, and could I actually, if I'm feeling up for it, again, with our mindful discernment, let myself just begin to acknowledge anxiety as my meditation object oh this is what anxiety feels like this is what it feels like in the body this is what it feels like in thoughts and emotions and we're turning our awareness to begin to investigate it which is actually a factor of awakening and it's very different as we turn and investigate than to just react and try to get away from it and and so i don't want to push any of us over the edge of that discomfort but there's opportunities here to turn with investigation to acknowledge and be interested in to investigate into experience. Is that, is that helpful? Yeah. Thank you.
1: Anything you'd like to add? Uh, could I just ask where you connect with your breathing in your body? Yeah. One thing that, that I've seen happen before is sometimes if people, if, if it's hard to let go of controlling the breath, by shifting how they connect with their breathing. So you might want to experiment with whole body breathing. Remember we described where you have a broader area. I've seen that happen before where it's somebody's able to relax around it. And then just one more thing, which is just another aspect of what Bob was talking about on the investigation. Um, sometimes you know, there can be many, I don't know you or what might be fueling that that place that controls may just be a conditioned habit or whatever, but sometimes people, when they start to notice, they start to notice, what is this about the controlling, it's, and and, it, and they could notice maybe there's some fear, or anxiety, or something like that, and then they can be aware that, well, how is, does that show up in other aspects of life, too? And mm-hmm. maybe, for example, again, I don't know you, but I'm just in general saying, um, or maybe, uh, oh, right, and you start to realize, wow, I don't think the world's a safe place, for example, or whatever the realization is. and it's, mm-hmm. It could be a whole, as Bob was saying, a whole big piece around maybe, it, who knows, memories of childhood might come. It could just be huge. So we need to be respectful that we're not necessarily trying to open a big floodgate, but, I mean, who knows what might come, and then that could release or open up some fruitful areas that could do some healing or letting go or something mm-hmm. that can then, when we come back to the breathing, uh, you know, something's been able to let go on a deeper level. Yeah.
0: This is beautifully said and this is the process as we begin to steady the mind, as we begin to become more aware, this awareness and this understanding begins to reveal some insight. Oh, here's this control issue. Here's this fear of, maybe it's rooted in my fear of dying and, you know, like, and, and whatever is there. We can't read into it, but it's an opportunity. It's a doorway. And can we begin to bring our awareness to investigate these doorways? Easy does it. Easy does it. So, we time probably for maybe one more. Please.
1: Um, I like to talk about physically sitting and the pain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, there are times when I sit, and as I go sit, I say, boy, feels so comfortable. So it's like, okay, what are the possibilities? There's cross legged there's semi they're sticking my legs out, and it's like. Um, also comment about just being in the knee pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it, you know, I had the idea like, is it really possible just to see
0: through the pain? I mean, what would that be like? Just, yeah. That's a good question. So the the question is uh, working with physical discomfort and pain and um, shifting and moving. There's moments where it just feels like it's just sit forever at ease, and then just some time later, I don't know if I can. This is very difficult, and then this whole notion of possibly sitting with and through the pain. Actually, on sometimes longer retreats, and I'll, I'll speak with Richard, we may want to do this in this retreat, that during um, a walking meditation, anyone that would like some coaching around posture, we can offer that. Okay. And uh, So maybe we'll, we'll discuss that and announce something in the afternoon. Um, there's a few angles to work with this, and probably the broadest is that it's all part of the field of awareness. If we can really begin to penetrate that every experience that we experience in the meditation hall, the pain, the not pain, the shifting, the moving, the alleviating of pain, the sitting with pain is all part of the practice. So I want to encourage that may there not be a conflict of like, if only I could just sit still. Um, I was once telling my sero, I was watching this chicken that took to sitting for like a week straight, and I was I was telling sero, I wish I could be like that chicken. He goes, oh, the chicken, it has such a small brain, it doesn't know that much. Dude. Never mind about this. <laughs> <laughs> mind it said this to me. <laughs> and uh, I was really wanting to be. Uh, there's actually a reference in the suttas called the Bovine Sutta. Someone asked the Buddha, if you sit like a cow, walk like a cow, act like a cow, eat like a cow, what will happen to you? And goes, You'll probably turn into a cow. <laughs> Not that a cow's bad. I love cows. Ones, of course, that I never eat. But um, the. So I want to encourage. As we're sitting, there may be times where the pain is so excruciating where we do need to move. And let us do that with awareness and allow that to happen and maintain the continuity of mindfulness through that experience. Experiencing the pain, experiencing the alleviation of the pain, and continuing with the practice is certainly fine to shift the posture. This afternoon, we'll, Rich and I will talk, we'll offer you some suggestions of what we've come to see can be helpful with our posture, but sometimes no matter what you do, this body has built-in receptors that feel pleasant and unpleasant sensations. It's just the way that it is. And I think how we work with it is very important, and there actually has been times where I've inclined towards sitting with the pain, and it was kind of... Um, As I sat with it and opened to it, it it transported me into a place of less pain and openness. There's other times where the pain was so excruciating that the smart thing to do was to shift and to move. And so we're playing with these areas. A couple of other comments that I'll just mention, particularly for those of us that are dealing with chronic pain, because in our work in the hospitals, we're constantly working with people with painful Uh, situations. And so there's three um, areas that I think are worthy of investigation. And the first is is to be mindful of how actually I'm holding myself as I'm in pain. And if I notice, and this is why, because some people ask, why would I even want to bring awareness to my body in pain? I want to get away from it. And so... If we bring awareness into the body, we may begin to actually understand and see how we're holding ourselves. And let's say my pain is in my hip, but my jaws clenched and my other parts of my body are tight as a rock. We may begin to see that we're exacerbating our pain. We're getting so we're tight like a knot. And so just bringing awareness into the body and noticing how we're holding ourselves can be very helpful. And it may be that we don't need to hold ourselves so tightly because we're bringing awareness in, and this awareness will help us to begin to maybe loosen that tight jaw, or maybe to soften some areas of the body that can be softened. Maybe our approach towards the pain is to allow the sensation to be there rather than putting our energy into resisting and fighting it. And as that happens, we may begin to discover that our relationship to the pain may begin to shift and change, putting our energy into fighting it, holding tightly, versus becoming aware, softening, and allowing. So that's one aspect that we can play with. Another aspect, of course, in working with pain is that it often generates and evokes a whole bunch of emotional feelings of dread, anger, fear, confusion. It's never going to go away. What am I going to do? So it's evoking a lot of emotions. And so another aspect of us working with the pain is to, when there's emotions there, to begin to acknowledge them. Here's fear. There's anger. Here's sadness. Here's confusion. Here's shame. These are four very popular shame, confusion, anger, fear. And we can even begin to include that as part of our meditation to be acknowledged. One last thing. Mindfulness is a practice, it's inviting us to be in the present moment. And so can we begin to learn to take this pain that's here one moment at a time? What happens is that if when we are thinking ahead about how the pain is going to be for the rest, you know, I'm looking at the clock, it's like I'm only 10 minutes into the sitting. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Still got another long time ahead. This type of future thinking is really gets us into trouble. Because we're not only dealing with the pain at this moment, I'm dealing with it for the next 40 minutes. How am I going to sit in the hall for the next 40 minutes? Some years ago I had a pinched nerve. A doctor diagnosed it as a ridiculopathy. I told him that's ridiculous. He had a good laugh, but that's what I had, a ridiculopathy, and I noticed that my pain would get worse when I would fantasize how it was going to be an hour from now, a day from now, a month from now, would go on this catastrophic um, events because the pain was crucial, but what I noticed is that as I catastrophized more, I would actually literally have fantasies of getting out a chainsaw and just cutting off my arm, because that's how the the pain just generated down my arm. If I just got a chainsaw and got rid of the bugger, then maybe I'd be better. But I noticed, after a while of observation, that it was always associated with future thinking. How am I going to get through this sit? How am I going to get through this week? How am I going to get through this month? It's going to be like this forever. That's one of the injustices of the word chronic pain. It implies a life sentence. But we don't know. Maybe if I die in the next moment, I did have it forever. But we don't know. So I invite us in working with the pain. Can I take it one moment at a time? And I'll see what happens in the next moment if I'm alive and if it is there and how I work with it. So I'm offering you some ways to play with it. At the same time, if we need to shift and move, that may be the most skillful thing. I've, I have to move sometimes. I have a knee problem and, you know. How can I approach even the way that I am with my sitting with greater compassion and kindness rather than fighting at myself about this? So thank you all very much. And we will uh, begin our interviews and may there be a good day of practice.
1: Thank you for listening.